Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Oh, man, it's so good to, to have you in the house this morning. Thanks for being here. We're so grateful um, for the time that you make to be in the house of God. We're thankful for the sacrifice, the sowing that you continually do inside your life. You know, the, the Bible is so amazing. Uh, we have such an amazing God that whatever we sow, come on, he adds his blessing too. The Bible actually says that God does not, God's not an equal opportunity giver back. He, he actually doesn't give equal in return. The Bible says he gives 30, 60, 100 fold. So even by you being here this morning, even by you being here this morning to worship him, even by you getting up and driving in and saying, man, I'm going to be here, even by you being online this morning and getting up and, 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 and tuning in, you've sown something into the kingdom of God, into your own life. My God gives back 30, 60, 100 fold. So I'm believing this morning that there's going to be change, that there's going to be breakthrough. If anybody's here who needs breakthrough, if anybody's here who needs healing, anybody here who needs change, anybody here who needs peace, these are things that God gives in abundance and overflowing. And it's not because we deserve it. It's not because of our goodness. <laughs> if it's up to our goodness, we're all in trouble. Can somebody say amen? If, it, if God giving back to us was based on our goodness, we're in trouble. But he loves you so stinking much. He doesn't love you a little bit. He loves you with everything. And today, that's, that's what I want to invite you to be a part of today. Whether you've been here forever or this is your first time here today, we're so glad that you came out. We want to worship together. Can you stand with me as we get ready to worship? I'm just going to pray. We're going to sing about God's holiness. We're going to sing, holy is the Lord. We're going to sing about Him because worship's really not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's not even about what we want. It's about who He is. The Bible tells us in Revelation 4 that surrounding the throne of God there are elders and angels at every moment of every second in heaven that just cry out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come that means that God is highest above all things he is separated above all things all trouble things visible and invisible things with names like cancer and disease and addiction he is above he is over he has authority uh, 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 over those things this morning and that it was and it is and it forever will be there will never be a time that God's holiness that God's power that God's authority is limited or brought under any other name God Jesus has the name above all names we are not worshiping an idea an ideology a mythology this morning we are we are worshiping a king of kings and lord of lords who's sitting on the throne his name is jesus he is holy 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 father we give you glory father we give you praise god father we've come to so worship to you this morning to join in with the sound of heaven this morning to join in with angels lord god and elders and saints around your throne to say holy is the name of the lord god almighty Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me this morning. Soul, wake up. Soul, wake up and bless the Lord. I speak to my soul, wake up and bless him. Forget not his benefits. My God is a great God. 
And if he did it before, he can do it again. Come on, that works for somebody this morning. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he healed blind Bartimaeus, he can heal your sickness. If he actually raised Lazarus from the dead, there's nothing dead inside your heart he can't bring back to life. My God, if he did it before, he can do it again. Come on, this morning, church, we are not serving an idea. We are worshiping a person. His name is Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, have your, let your kingdom come. Come on, church, and let your will be done in our lives and in this service as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and together in faith we say amen and amen. Can we give God one shout of glory? Lord, we love you this morning. We've come to praise you today. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Lift up our voices to the King of Kings.
Everything when it comes to God has already been done. He's inviting you in. Like, we don't even have to work for it. Yeah. He invited you in. Awesome. I had a guest yesterday come to my house, and, and uh, you know, I didn't make him uh, show me his credentials before he came to my house. I didn't make him go shovel the back or rake the leaves or pick up the trash or, see, because he was my friend, the house was already ready, and the door became open. You don't have to work for our king's approval. That's right. Amen. You already have it. Yes. Thank you. So every lie of the enemy that has told you you're not good enough and you should be ashamed and you should stay just at arm's distance from God is a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah, that's right. The door is open. My king has done the work. Yes, amen. And the house is ready. So step in. Step in. Step in. That's the invitation this morning. Yeah. Whether you've walked with God for 50 years or five days, step in further. Thank you, Lord. Well, look, this is a, a day of celebration when we actually get to live life together as a community. So we're not just coming to church, even in the midst of this pandemic, to stay at lengths. We have to wear, we feel like we wear, we're wearing masks, and that keeps us at a distance. And we do have to stay maybe at some physical distance, but we don't have to stay at a spiritual distance. And so can I encourage you, just as you're getting ready to sit down, take a moment. Say hi to somebody who's next to you. This is your family. Yeah, that's right. This is, this is your family. So just, just give somebody an air high five. Tell them it's good to see them today. Take a moment. We're just going to take a moment. Go say hi. Say hi. Hello. Say hi to somebody you did not come next to. You don't even have to touch them. You don't have to hug them, but you got to say hi to them. That's the rules this morning. While you're doing that, I, uh, I just want to say hi to uh, our online community this morning. Hey, we are so glad you checked in. We know that uh, there are a thousand reasons um, why you may not be here. It may be because of distance. It may be because of pandemic. It may be because you're on vacation, but we are really glad that you're here. And I know I say it all the time, but I mean it because the Bible is true. Although we may be separated from time and space, God is not moved by time and space. Right. The same God that is present in this room is present with you. And that's the power of the online. Now, the power of being in the, in, in, in the house is that there's something powerful about being together. Yeah. But, man, I'm just glad that we're all here. You know, next, uh, next week, we as a church get to celebrate something very special. Next week as a church, we are celebrating our uh, 23rd birthday, uh, which I can't even believe it's uh, already here, 23 years. It's crazy. Um, but we, we want to celebrate all together. For some of you, this is like your like, you know, third week anniversary. Uh, for some people, like Ron and Irene, uh, Sandy Mascali, she's here uh, somewhere. Uh, they're, they're, they've been here from day one. Jake was forced to be here with day one. He's my son. He had to I'd drug him along. But look, we're, we, we are asking for one thing. We are asking, you know, usually for our church birthday, we take a big offering, and, and that's not what we're doing this year. We, we are asking, if you saw the video that we put out this week, for you to take a little bit of time 
this week before you come and spend some time writing out your testimony. How you came to receive grace. How is the love of God changing you right now? Not how bad you were. How good is God? Because why I'm asking you to do that, and we're going to talk about it in our forge this week and in our shoulder shoulder groups, but it will, it'll, bring, it'll, it'll help us to bring a spirit of celebration. Not just to come to celebrate something going on here, but to celebrate a God who did something out here. This is just an opportunity for us to celebrate together. So we're looking forward to it. Pastor D and I are looking forward to it. She's not here this morning, um, and it's not because of any other reason other than uh, we have a, a, a Civil War reenactment going on in our town uh, today, um, and, uh, which was fun last night because I, I, I was doing a chapel service last night from our house, and cannons were going off while it was a Zoom chapel service. It's always fun. Um, but our dog is deathly afraid of the cannons, like deathly afraid of the cannons. And he's older now, and so uh, P- Pastor D is pastoring our pet this morning. So <laughs> shout out to my girl, I love you. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I am um, excited to bring the word today. Um, and if you, if you have your Bible, since you have your Bibles, why don't you open with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So basically, you can just let the Bible fall open. It's probably going to be there. Uh, Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to talk about the story of Noah. Some of you may be familiar with some of the story of Noah, but may not necessarily be familiar with this part of the story. And if you need a title for today's message, it is a dangerous exhale. A dangerous exhale. Uh, um, just a few weeks ago, Dee and I have been doing a lot of gardening in our house, uh, in, our, in our area, um, and I was putting in a bunch of trees and some hydrangeas, and it was one of those 100-degree days, right? Come on, you remember, like, it, do you remember when it was 100 degrees? Because it went from, like, 100 degrees to, like, 60 overnight, but, I, hey, I'll take 60. I'm 100% in. But I, I, I got to the end of putting in all these trees and hydrangeas, and I was physically, there was a physical exhale. I was like, oh. I am so glad I'm done. I almost died. Like, I'm 53. This is not all right. And then, look, there's nothing wrong with that. We all, come on, all of us have had that exhale, haven't we? Maybe at the end of a good workout, you were at the gym, or you went for a run, and you're like, woo! Man, I'm glad that's over. It almost killed me. But then, because some, sometimes there's those kind of exhales after you have had, uh, you've gone through a trial. Or, or you've gone through a hard time. Or, or, or maybe when you've had to have that hard conversation with somebody and it actually went well. Is anyone else happy when it goes well? Yeah. Like it goes well and then there's this exhale like, wow, that went better than I thought. This is all right. And then there's nothing wrong with that kind of exhale because in that exhale, it sometimes and many times gives us this opportunity to have a sense of peace and relief. Hmm. But then there is the soul's exasperated exhale. The exhale that comes from the weariness and the heaviness that is compounded and cumulative over constant offenses, constant hurts, constant disappointments with people, with church, with family, with God. And it's that exhale in our soul that says, man, 
I can't believe I have to go through this. I'm tired of going through this. I deserve better. Has anyone ever had that kind of exhale? Where your soul is like, I'm done. Come on, I'm done. I just need a break. Like, this is ridiculous. This is the 18th time in the last two days I've had to deal with something like this. And we get this exasperated exhale. And that's our soul in those moments. And it gives our soul permission to kind of exchange places with the headship of our life, with our spirit. And my friends, in this exasperated exhale, in these moments, like, look, I, every parent knows the exasperated exhale. Like, if I have to spend one more moment with these kids, I'm going to kill these kids. Come on, parents. Are y'all holy parents out here? No, I'm going to have to kill these kids. But sometimes there's the exasperated exhale that just says, I'm done with God. I'm done with sacrificing. I'm done with the pain of forgiveness. I'm done with having to deal with offense. I'm done with these people. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I just need a freaking break. Anyone hear me today? Man, I felt that way about 9,000 times during the last two, two years. I'm done, God. The problem is in this soul exhale, it actually gives our soul permission to be complacent. To actually create space between you and God and what holiness looks like. And the purpose, the holy purpose we were called to, it allows it to give space. And for the disciple of Jesus Christ, it creates a trap that may become one of the most dangerous traps to our holiness and wholeness and our intimacy with God that we know. This soul exhale. I just need a break. And I think we're going to see it in our text today. We're going to see it in maybe in Noah's life. I mean, come on. He, 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 after building, spending years and years and years building an ark, his friends and family, his generation, not understanding his position or his stance that he was taking in the midst of what they believed. In, he went through this downpour and the losing of everyone that he ever knew and ever loved to something he couldn't control. After months and months of feeding and cleaning up after animals, he didn't ask to come aboard. And now finally, he finds land. Finally now, the rain has receded. Finally now, certainly he deserves a break. After all, God, look at everything I've gone through. Look at everything you've asked me to do. Certainly today, I deserve a break. Enter the exhale. And bam. He makes choices that undermine his life and bring disaster into his family. Just because we made it through one issue, one act, well, we, broke, we broke free from one addiction. We got clear from one problem. We forgave one offense. My friends, your soul in that moment is going to want to exhale. But when we give it the space to exhale, 
we are positioning ourselves for more judgment, more issues to come, and not only break us, but break our family. Let's look at this text. I'm going to just show you the word. In, in Genesis chapter 9, starting verse 20, it says, Noah, a man of the soil, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside of his tent. How many of you know that's not a good idea? Ham, the father of Cana, saw his father naked, went outside, gossiped about him to his two brothers. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. They walked backward, covered their, their, uh, their, their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. Now, that's an entirely different sermon. I could preach on that for days about how to honor and cover. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. Yeah. It doesn't justify the sin. Come on, somebody. Shem and Japheth were not saying what Noah did was okay. They said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring the covering back into his life. Come on, isn't that the disciple's role in the world? Our job's not to expose it. It's to help cover and redeem it. To bring honor back to it. To bring life back where death has already got a hold of something and someone. But unfortunately, I think the exasperated exhale if we're not careful, can leave us like Noah, naked and vulnerable. It can position the curse to come back into our life right after we just got set free from it. Right. He just got set free, and the first thing he does is bring it back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. how often once we get free from something and we think we're free and we exhale, do we open the door for what we were free from to come right back in? Do you know the, the worst part of this is just so you can write this down in your notes, you can impress your friends. Do you know what happens here, by the way? Ham, who does it, becomes the father of Babylon, who becomes the oppressor of God's people. The door Noah opened didn't just affect himself. Come on, somebody. The, the exasperated exhale of, of, of Noah didn't just affect his life, it affected generations of people. I think the first thing that we can grasp out of this text, which is kind of really cool, though, is that after we pass through judgment, after he came through the waters of judgment, after he passed through them, and that, that this is a, a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of salvation. Jesus is the ark. He's the only way that we get saved. we got to be inside the ark. We can't do it without it. Noah didn't swim through to the other side. He had to be in the ark to be saved. The ark is a picture of Jesus. When we are in Jesus, Jesus takes the floodwaters that are due us and should have drowned us. And he actually delivers us to a new land. As believers, when we believe in Jesus, we've come through the judgment. We've got saved because of Jesus. We are standing in a new land. And then, like all of us, we are tempted to, whoo, made it through. Yeah. I'm okay now. The challenge, I think, for all of us is that there will always be a temptation to exhale once we go through and we've worked hard and we've gone through the trial and the tribulation. After we've gotten off the ark, Certainly, God, this is my time to kick back and relax. Throw one back. I'm good. I Look at all the things I've done. I'm pretty good. See, at first, at first, this is what happens in all believers. This is what happens when you become a believer. And, and it's, it, it's universal. This is what ends up happening. 
It's just like Noah. Man, we, we get off the ark, we come through salvation, we get saved, and man, we are passionate about going for it. Think about how much work he had to do before he could get drunk. Man, he had to till the soil. He had to plant some seeds. He had to nurture the vines. He had to harvest the grapes. He had to create the casks to, to, to put the wine in. He had to fill up the casks. He had to give it time to ferment. There was all this work that he did. That's what happens inside of us. That's what the Bible says in Philippians 2.12, the time of us working out our salvation. We're not working to get it, but man, there's a time when you first get saved, you get out of the ark, you're like, let's go! And we are working, we're ahead, we are 100 miles an hour, let's go. And then, there's an exhale. And then there's the temptation to go, you know what? I've worked pretty hard. I've went through a lot. I think it's time to kick back and relax for a moment and we exhale I know it happened in my life and maybe it did in yours I remember man when I first got saved I, I, I couldn't I, I didn't even turn on the TV I was in the Bible all the time reading the Bible I, I was praying man I was sharing my faith with everybody who would listen I, I was fasting regularly and then then there came a time literally when I stopped one day and went, I can't even remember the last time I thought about fasting. Not that I did it. Right. It's when I thought about it. Why? Because somewhere in the midst of this, my friends, there was an exhale that I hadn't realized happened. Because somewhere in the midst of it, my soul had said, good boy, good job, worked really hard. You deserve to take a break. That's why we need discipleship. It's why church isn't even enough. We need, we need people who will help say, Yo, dude, something's off. You, you don't see something's off. You, you got a fan into flame. Come on, Timothy. You got a fan into flame. Timothy, I know you're preaching. Timothy, I know you're working hard for God. Paul's saying, but I see something. You got a fan into flame. You let the flame go down. You, come on. We need some account. We need that in our lives. This is why it's so important, discipleship. Even the disciples, when you read the Bible, the disciples, they left their nets, their fishing nets, they left their boats, they left their businesses. They were all in. And then time and time again, we see Peter fishing again. And again. And again. And again. Why? Because there was an exhale. See, the truth is, my friend, that natural humanity is hardwired for the, for the exhale. Our natural humanity is hardwired for this soul's exasperated exhale. There was a force inside of Noah that is inside of each one of us that is wooing us to exhale, kick back, take a break. Yeah. Come on. We got the Kit Kat spirit inside of us. Oh, some of you old school know what I'm talking about. <laughs> give me a break, give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. That's right. We got a Kit Kat spirit. We're like, not me. I'm a Snickers guy. You a Kit Kat guy. You wish you was a Snickers guy. The danger, my friends, is, is there's this exasperated exhale that can happen after the harvest. After our, our hard work. Noah had put in a hard work, a lot of hard work for a lot of years to get to this point. Certainly, when 
the harvest came. He was due and entitled to the blessing. Certainly he was due to enjoy some of what his labor had produced. And in that entitlement mentality, his soul exhales. And he mishandles the blessing. He mishandles what comes from the vine. When our soul exhales, when inside of us we're like, I got it. I've done enough. Let me just take a break. Man, I've been to church for 52 weeks. Man, I've been so faithful. Man, I need a, I need a week off. I've been to discipleship. I've been honest, but I need a couple. I need some time away. Can I just tell you, I'm not talking about vacation. You understand what I'm saying. I'm talking, come on, I'm talking about our soul. Saying, I just need a break. We will mishandle what comes from the vine. Oh, did you see what the Bible is talking about there? Did you see the very first thing that the Bible says grew up after the judgment in the new world? After the judgment, the first thing the Bible records that grows is a vine that produces fruit. This is an image of Jesus. Man, after we come through the, after we come through the judgment, the first thing God's trying to produce in you is the vine. Why? So we can be connected to the vine. John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you stay connected to me, there's fruit that's coming. It's not whether or not we get fruit. It's what we do with the fruit. Man, our, our, our passion, our connection to the vine will produce the fruit, but our soul's exhale can cause us to mishandle the blessing. We consume what we're meant to give away. We ferment, come on somebody, what is meant to be fresh. There's stuff inside of us in the exhale that's dangerous. And it's not just dangerous for others. Let's be honest, it's dangerous for our walk with God. It's dangerous for our intimacy, our sense of wholeness with who he is. We mishandle the blessing. That's why Galatians 6, 7, 8, and 9 says this. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit, you'll reap. But if you sow, if you sow to the soul, you're going you're gonna to reap what the soul brings. So don't grow weary. Come on, somebody. That's, that's, that's Paul saying, don't give up. No time for breaks. Come on. Jesus is coming back. Hell is hot. The season is short. Come on, somebody. There's no time to take a break inside of our souls. Come on. How easy is it in the exhale to stop sowing and start sipping? We do it all the time. And I think the challenge is believers see the blessing as what we're entitled to because of what we've done, what we've had to give up, what we've had to do to get to this point. God, look at everything we've done. Certainly we're entitled to the blessing. We're entitled to the blessing. And that mentality is reinforced by the sense of entitlement we have as Americans. I used to travel a lot. It's amazing how much entitlement we have that we don't even know that we have. Because when you sit in an airport, you can always tell somebody who's an American. They are loud. They're expecting everybody to speak English. They want to order the food that they want to order. Come on, they expect you to have American food. You, I, yeah. You're in Morocco. They want bacon and eggs. Come on, somebody. Yeah. We have an inherent. Is that truth? Yeah. 
You were brave. You were born here. You were born with a sense of entitlement. Right. It seeps in. Then you add on the entitlement that the American church has presented over the last years of the last decades that the gospel is that you and I, if we believe in God, we're entitled to a good life. And our soul keeps saying we're entitled, we're entitled, we're entitled. I can't tell you honestly how many times I've had that conversation with God. I wish that your pastor could stand up here and say, man, I'm so holy. I never had that conversation with God. That would be breaking the Ten Commandments. Because I'd be lying, I'd be deceiving. No. I've had that conversation with God in tears. I've had that conversation with God in arrogance. I've had it in pride. I've had it in anger. God, do you know what I've given up? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I could have been? Do you know how many times, how many times, God, do these people have to bite me before I get to bite back? I've had that conversation more times than I want to count. But that's why a disciple responds differently. Right. Yeah. The problem is not having this desire to have an exhale. The problem is giving yourself permission to have one. That conversation with you and God is good if we're willing to listen to him. Because a disciple understands that we live in a constant state of being in the red when it comes to God. A constant state of being in the negative balance with God. Yeah. Man, when it comes to our spiritual ATM, you go up to it and you're expecting money out of it. And it says minus 9,999. You got no money. You don't go to the bank and be like, man, I can't believe it. I want my money. You don't got money. You owe us money. Yeah. But I'm entitled to money. No, you owe me money. It is God's grace. Right. It is God's goodness that gives us abundance. It is God's grace and his love towards us that enables us to breathe today yeah. so that we even have a choice to exhale or not. What an amazing God we serve. Grace, when we grab a hold of it, silences the entitled soul so that it learns to rest rather than claim its entitlement for what it's done. Many of us may be familiar with the story of Jonah but maybe, again, not this part. At the end of Jonah, Jonah 4, we know the story. He got swallowed by a big fish, didn't want to go to Nineveh, gets spat out, has to preach to Nineveh. He's angry he has to preach to Nineveh. Then he's more angry when the Ninevites actually respond to the gospel and repent and come to God. So he goes up on the top of the hill to pout because that's what we do when we don't feel like God did what we think we deserve. He goes up on the top of the hill and he pouts to God. He's like, this is ridiculous. So God, in his graciousness, in the middle of Nineveh, which is a desert, it's hot, grows a leafy vine to cover him and puts him in the shade. The Bible says when God does that, he's happy. Literally in the Bible. He's happy. Yeah. The next morning he wakes up and God had caused the vine to wither and go away. Right. The Bible says he turns to God. He's like, what's the deal? I can't believe you. He's angry once again. And God's like, what's wrong with you? I'm sorry, did you deserve the vine? Or did my grace give it to you? If my grace gave it to you, then my grace can take it away. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, no, Jonah. My grace gives you. I think the truth is at times... 
It's even harder when we face that exasperated exhale after a hardship like Noah did. Because of that cumulative grief and that compounded weariness, when the quiet whys and the woes of the trial catch up to us, and when we just want it to be done, when we want to get back to life, especially when we have tried to do everything that God has told us to do in the trial, at the end of it, our soul just wants to exhale. It just wants to exhale. I'm tired of being hurt, God. Can I just be a break for a while? But the break won't give us rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No, no, God, I need a break from you from a while. No, 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 no. What you need is the rest that only I can give. It's not separation, it's intimacy. I believe that our soul wants to exhale because secretly it is afraid of what the next inhale will bring. What will the next inhale bring? Hey, did you ever, I know as a kid, Dee and I were talking about this last night. As a kid, did you ever go to the beach where there's a lot of big waves and start to swim? Like as a kid, you're like swimming under the waves, like you're holding your breath, right? Especially down the Jersey Shore, you're holding your breath. And then you, you come up right out of the wave and you're like, ah, and you exhale because you've been holding your breath. And then before you know it, the next wave hits you. It hits you just as you're inhaling. And you go from having the best day of your life to thinking you're going to drown. Uh, yeah. How many times have we come up out of the one trial, exhaled, and didn't see the next wave coming? And the next moment we're trying to inhale what God's doing and what we're inhaling is the wave that just hit us and hit us and hit us and hit us and hit us. We are afraid of the next wave. So it's easier to exhale because we are afraid of what the next inhale will bring because the last inhale brought too much pain. When I was, Dee and I were talking about this last night, and I, you know, she and I are firm believers that this soul exhale comes straight from the enemy. See, the enemy cannot create, listen, the enemy is a counterfeiter, correct? Come on, he's a counterfeiter. So he cannot, he's trying to counterfeit creation's inhale by allowing your soul to have an exhale. He can't bring life, come on, so he'll separate you from it. He can't bring what can bring life to you. He can't stop you from going through the judgment in Jesus, but he can stop you and create separation from what can bring life into you with the breath of God. I remember when I was 18, I, my senior year in high school, I had a collapsed lung. Matter of fact, I had two. And what happened is I had little bubbles in my lungs that exploded and, and it causes gap, a uh, space between my lungs and, 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 and my, 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 my rib cavity. And I could exhale just fine. Exhaling was fine. But when I tried to inhale, it hurt so bad. But the problem was every time I exhaled, come on, the space between my lungs, the cavity, and my lung cavity became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if left unchecked, what ends up happening is the pressure gets so big in that cavity that your heart actually shifts. 
when the exhale and I exhale and I exhale because the inhale is too painful, it creates space in my life that causes my heart to shift away from God. Do you know what the treatment for that exhale was? Do you know the treatment for that collapsed lung? They had to pierce my side. They took this gigantic harpoon of a needle. Dude ran from like the other side of the hospital room. <laughs> Put his foot up on the thing. And they pierced my side. And the piercing, come on, created a healthy way to have the exhale. The piercing created a healthy way to have the exhale. Paul says, man, I got to constantly be crucified with Jesus Christ. I have to constantly be pierced. I have to live in that kind of faith. I got to put myself constantly recognizing, identifying myself, sacrificing myself, surrendering myself to the pierced Jesus Christ who was pierced in the side. I have to live in this state of constant surrender so that I can have a healthy exhale. There's nothing wrong with the exhale when it's healthy. But the soul exhale brings death. I think the truth is, my friends, that if we really look at it, our soul loves the exhale. Because in the exhale, our soul gains permission to create space between our ego's sense of achievement and the spirit's push for holy purpose. Inside of each of us, there's an ego that has a sense of achievement and a spirit that is pushing for your holy purpose. One requires an exhale. The other requires the inhale of God. In this environment, in this exasperated exhale, Noah forgot his purpose. Noah's purpose was not just to build an ark. And to get through the judgment. It wasn't just to be saved. Somehow we have watered down the gospel to believe our purpose. Our holy purpose is to get through the judgment and just be on the other side and get saved. His purpose was not just to build an ark and get through the judgment. His purpose was to be a builder of the new world. To steward what God had given him and had entrusted to him. To be a builder and a repairer of the things that had to go through the flood. To actually restore, to be the person who could restore what the natural order and the natural act of judgment had brought in to that world to be a part of restoring it and repairing it. Isn't that what we're called to, church? As disciples, we're not just called to get saved and be on the other side. We are called to be a repairer of this new world. To steward it. That's why I love that the Bible says... He was a man of the soil. Now, I know some of your translation says he's a farmer. That's not what the Bible says. The Hebrew actually says he was a man of the soil. I think it's intentional. Because if he said he was a farmer, he would have identified his vocation, what he did. As a man of the soil, God was identifying who he was. He was a steward of the soil. A steward of the new land. A steward of new ground. My friends, when you and I come through the judgment, there's new soil in our life. When we come through and people come to Jesus, there's new ground to take. We've got to be stewards of the soil of God. What an amazing thought process. 
This is what we are as disciples. It's what we're called to be. The word is a seed. We got to plant it. Jesus says in the parable of the sower that a man went out and sowed the seed. That's us. And he found all sorts of different soils. And the good farmer doesn't leave the soil that is rocky, rocky. The good farmer doesn't leave the soil that has weeds in it with weeds in it. The good farmer doesn't leave the, the, the beaten down soil beaten down. He takes some time to water it and nurture it back to health. Jesus is saying, you and I aren't just about receiving a good word. You and I aren't about just having a seed. You and I are about being repairers of a new world for people. Amen. To see people who've been beaten down and tread down by the things of life. Who have weeds growing in them that are choking out the things God wants to do. That have started with God, but man, they've walked away from church. How many people through this pandemic have allowed the soul to have an exhale? That says, man, come on, God, I've been in church for a long time. I was pretty faithful watching online. It's, this isn't judgment about that. This is a call to say, my God, we are called to steward the soil. Our job wasn't just to get saved. Our holy purpose isn't just to survive. Our holy purpose is to be a steward of the soil. Yeah. At times as believers, I think we go through times of, a, of forgiveness where we have to forgive somebody who offended us. Anybody ever have to go through anybody? <laughs> I know none of us ever have anything we have to forgive <laughs> or have caused anything that someone else has to forgive. But I think at times we go through this time where we, we work through the forgiveness of somebody who hurt us. And, and we're good with it inside. We finally get to a place where we're good with it. We're like, all right, I'm good. I'm good with it. And our soul says, you're good. No, you're not. A believer says, I'm good with just forgiving from the inside. A disciple understands my holy purpose is part of stewarding the soil that has been touched by the curse. Disciple understands, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.18, that I'm called to be a minister of reconciliation. That's a painful inhale. Because I, I would be fine. I don't, I'm fine. I'm fine forgiving people and never seeing them again. A anybody? <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with it. But there's a pain in the inhale of saying, oh God, you're calling me to reconcile. Not to restore the relationship, but to reconcile the ground. Why? Because we are stewards of the soil. Maybe over the last year or so, we realized that we've been seeing some things through privileged or maybe racist or biased lenses. And, and we've changed our thinking and we've changed our language. And our soul exhales and says, whew, I'm really glad. Man, I don't really want to think like that again. Whew, I'm really glad. I, I, won't, I won't say that again. I, 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 I had this journey. And the soul and the soul's exhale is like, whew, man, it was really hard for me to admit that maybe I loved America more than I loved the American people. Or the people that America hurt. It was hard for me. I was raised in a home, man, where like every, it's 4th of July is like Easter. Come on, somebody. It's hard for me. 
A believer's like, woo! Glad I got that worked out. Exhale. A disciple says, no, 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 no. I got to get to the why I even had that in my life. No, no, no. I got I to gotta, I gotta steward the soil of my heart. Why did I have it in my heart? Why? Why? I can't just leave, leave this alone. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart's deceitful above all things. I can't even believe that was in there. What gave permission for my spirit? How did I miss the spirit for the last 50 years speaking in my heart, loving people differently, singing justice differently, seeing people equally? How did I miss it? What's wrong inside of me that I was okay for so long? It's not enough to change my thinking. It's not enough to agree I was wrong. I got to steward the soil of change for myself and I'm going to be a part of stewarding the change of the way that the curse has touched the land. Yeah. We need to steward wholeness and justice. Right. We are giving our souls, disciples, permission to exhale when we've gone through the trial. Whew. When we've gone through the change. Whew. When I've done the hard work. Whew. And the Spirit is saying you're stopping short because I have a holy purpose. Yeah. I have a holy purpose. I have a holy purpose. Yeah. I've called you to be light and salt. What a holy purpose. Matthew 5, Jesus says in verse 13, 14, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Light shines the brightest in the midst of its darkest moment. The light cannot say, I'm so happy that I'm light. I don't need to be around darkness. In order for this light to be shown the brightest, it needs to be in the darkest. Do you know something about salt? Salt, salt will always contain every good element, its taste, and every, uh, every element that it has inside of it to transform another substance until it comes in contact with a foreign substance. Salt will not release salt to other salt. Salt requires an outside substance to touch it to release the goodness that's inside of it. Wow. Yep. We cannot be salt sitting next to each other. Look around you. Salt, 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 salt. Salt doesn't release what's inside of it. To other salt. It only releases what's inside of it when it comes in contact with something it's not. Come on. We are standing in the labor pains of the Messiah coming back. We are standing in the time of some of the most hurt, pain-filled, divisive, racist, hate-filled moments in the history of our world. Where there are more battle lines drawn every day over social media, over news, over people's opinions. Things are being more divided than is there never been, there's never been a time. More. Uh, let, let, uh, there's, there's never been a time that the church could afford to have an exhale than now. We need the inhale of God. We need the inhale of the Holy Spirit. We need the inhale of personal change. We need the inhale of being pierced 
by the gospel to be crucified with Jesus. We need the inhale and the pain of the surrender and the sacrifice of self. Yes, why? Because there is a time and the time is ticking and Jesus is coming back in our world. The soil around us that's been touched by the curse needs to be stewarded and brought back to life. And yes, God will always produce fruit from the vine and it will always bless us. But the purpose of the fruit of the vine, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, is it so that we get it and so that we can actually give it away. The world and you and I and our families, our children, our generation, they can't afford a church that's ready to have a soul exhale. Give me a break. I'm good. God, I just want to kick back for a bit. There is a time for a holy exhale. There is. There is. Do you know when it is? We have an example of it in in the Bible. The most perfect holy exhale. In Luke 23, 46. The Bible says, as my king was pierced and stretched out on the cross, He looked up, Father, into your hands I can trust my spirit. And then he exhaled his last breath. There is a holy moment for an exhale. But it's only when you and I first commit our life into the hands of the Father. And say, Father, whatever that looks like, I'm in. And I'm sorry for the space I allowed to get in between me and you, the space that was created in the cavity of my heart. Forgive me for the spiritual collapse of my lung. Forgive me for keeping exhaling when the inhale was so painful. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. prodigal son had taken a soul exasperated exhale because he was tired of having to do and live and be everything his daddy asked of him to live and be in the house and so in his soul he turned to his daddy and said I need a break for a while I still want you to give me what's mine I'm entitled to it so bless me I want it. Give it to me. And the Bible says in that moment he went out and mishandled all the blessing that God gave him and consumed it like Noah on himself. What was meant to be fertile became fermented. What was meant to bless others blessed himself. I've been there. Pretty sure most of us have been. But then, but then the grace of God shows up. But then the son realizes how much his dad loves him. He says, I don't want to live here anymore. This is what my exhale brought me to. This is the reality of what I was promised. He saw it for what it was. The enemy always reveals at the end the reality of what he actually promises. It's all an illusion. The pot of gold is a bear trap. 
that when you reach for it, you become maimed and trapped. And he remembers the love of his father. And something stirs in his spirit, and he inhales one more time. And he says, my dad will take me back. And he turns and he runs. And I love this moment because no matter how far we are from who we are supposed to be, no matter how far we've wandered, no matter how much exhale we've given into, the Bible says this, the father was standing, waiting on the porch for his son. He's longing for you. He is passionate, wanting to have this intimate relationship that has no space between it. But he is a gracious God who allows you to determine the distance. Amen. And the Bible says as soon as he sees his son start to run towards him, the father, can't you imagine, the father finally starts jumping on the porch and he doesn't wait for the boy with arms crossed and said, yup, boy, why are you coming home? You made your bed. You made your choice. You best learn to live in it. Come on. You made your own pigsty. I hope you have some fun in there. You've got a while to prove to me that, uh, that you're serious about being back. The father doesn't do any of it. The father sees the inhale and he's drawn to the inhale and he starts to run to the son and he embraces him and the son starts to say, I'm so sorry. And the father says, stop it. I don't need any of it. All I needed Jew is here with me. All I needed was the inhale that stopped the separation. He doesn't make him earn his way back in. The graciousness of our God. We live in a deficit, but grace lets us live in abundance. We have no time, my friends, to live in the exhale. Our holiness, our intimacy, our wholeness with God cannot afford the exhale. Yeah. Your kids, they can't afford it. It's going to take some time off. Just need some space. I get it. When you're parenting, you need some space. But when you're a disciple, that space will kill you and them. Come home. I'm going to pray in a minute. Come home. I'm not asking you to be a better Christian. I'm asking you to inhale the breath of God. To tell your soul to go to hell. The enemy has no right over your inheritance. He did not create you and craft you he did not know you before you were put in your mama's belly. He did not form you by the palm of his hand. He does not have your name written on the palm of his hand. He does not know every hair that is on your head, but there is a master. There is a father. There is an Abba who does. And he created you for a purpose. Tell the exhale no. Come running back. Come home again. Let's pray. You just heard the altar call. Because the reality is it's not about you having to earn your way back home again. 
It's simply recognizing that your soul exhale may have led you to a pigsty or maybe you're on your way to one. But with every exhale, it leads us one step further away from the house and away from the Father. Today's the day to inhale the breath of God, to inhale the grace, to inhale his holy purpose and come running back to him. It's so easy. All we have to do is say, Daddy, I'm sorry. Close the gap and take me back. And the Father will run to you. We're all going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray out loud because there's something that happens when we speak out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When we hear each other pray, there's something that stirs in the spirit even inside of us. Do you realize that when you pray out loud, when we're praying, even if you've already accepted Jesus, but you're praying this prayer, you are adding faith in the room. You're adding faith to people who are hearing you pray in faith. It stirs something. We're going to pray. But man, if you know that you've been too far from God, or maybe you've never even said yes to God, this is your time to ask him to come back, to inhale in your life. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus. Here I am today. I'm giving you everything I've got. I'm holding nothing back. Forgive me of all the times that I've allowed my soul and my sin to cause distance between us. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Today I inhale all you have for me. I choose you above all things. I come running home. Flat out. I'm running for you. And I choose this day to live for you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Stewarding the soil and living for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God some glory. For people who just made that decision, Jesus, thank you. Hallelujah. Hey, can I grab that, Jakey, real quick? Thanks, buddy. Hey, if you just made that decision, whether it was a first-time decision or, or, or this is a time that you're just recommitting your life like the prodigal son, you're coming home again. Man, the Bible says all the angels in heaven are partying because of you. Whew, that is a crazy thought. Sometimes I can't even get my own family to celebrate me. Come on, somebody. One moment, one choice, all of heaven is celebrating because of you. But this is just the, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. We want to help you with that. Pastor Rick right over here has, uh, he'd love to get a chance to talk with you for a few moments afterwards. So before you kind of head out the door and go watch the Eagles beat the Panthers today, Somebody say, man, we're two touch something in agreement. Help brother out. Hey, your soul, listen to me. Just for a second. Your soul's going to want to say, I don't need to tell anybody. No, no, the Bible says, if I proclaim, if I profess Jesus in front of man, God, the, Jesus will profess me in front of the Father who's in heaven. Yeah. Just take a moment. Go talk to him. We want to help you in this journey.
Here's a couple books for you, whether you're a Gen Z or an adult, that are going to help talk to you. These are free. We want to put them in your hands. Pastor Rick just got one of the most amazing uh, testimonies about this Gen Z book from a Gen Zer, talking about how a teenager is talking about how every teenager should read this. How they were worried they might be bored and they couldn't put it down. Come on. Hey, if you're a parent and you've got a Gen Zer and they're not here, go pick one of these up. Slip it under their pillow. <laughs> put a $10 bill at the back of it. <laughs> and then they'll be like, and then you'll be like, did you read the book? And they're like, yeah. Uh, did you get to the money? What money? You didn't read the end of the book. Come on, there's always a blessing when we sow. So thank you. Thank you for letting me speak in your hearts today. What you heard today is another heartbeat of your pastors. I want to be a Kit Kat guy. I do sometimes. I do. I'm ashamed to say it. I get hurt. I get tired. I want to step away from this mantle and the burden and this calling. There are plenty of days. But then I remember Jesus' promise in Revelation 2. He said, I will give a crown of life to those who persevere. The only thing I got to give back to him in heaven, because I can't take nothing with me. The only thing I've got to give back to him is the crown of life that he gives me here. I get to give back up there. I can't walk away. I can't give in to the Kit Kat spirit. I'm going to choose to take that next inhale no matter how painful it is and trust in the goodness of my God in the land of the living. We can help other people do that as well. I'm not talking about growing the numbers of a church. I'm talking about redeeming the soil that the curse has touched in our world. Even if we never drink from the vine from it on this side of the veil, we will drink at the banquet feast of the king on the other side of it. With every person we brought the good news to. Church, before we go, we're going to worship by giving of an offering today. This is part of stewarding the soil. This is part of stewarding what God's given to us. It's part of not allowing the exhale. I think some of the biggest exhales that I have seen in church life going on 31 years. Dean and I just realized this is 31 years for me. It's going on 32 years in January. Is how many excuses the soul gives us not to give. How many, more so than anything else in the church, I watch it happen all the time. We will make sure that we don't exhale on the things that are going to bless us, but somewhere along the way, we forget to steward the soil of our finance, steward the soil that God has blessed us with already. I cannot consume what he has meant me to give away. Like Noah, I cannot consume what God has called me to give away. We just saw in this text an amazing offering message.
There's lots of ways that you can be a part of this today. You can use these envelopes that are there in front of you. You can put them in those gold kiosks on the way out. Encourage you to do that. There's pens there. Take a pen home with you. It's all good. You can give using your phone, which is what I do all the time, using your computer, setting up automatic, uh, automatic giving as well. But my friends, I'm not asking you to give because of need. I'm asking you to be a part of obedience, recognizing I'm going to steward the sewer and trust God to make a difference. And you are making a difference. You are making a difference. I got some plans to show you next week. I've got finally some plans as we get ready. I'm not even going to spoil it. You're just going to have to come back next week. Yeah. We got some announcements next week. Yeah. We got some new announcements about service next week. We told you, this isn't always. Like, this is reentry still for us. Right. We're still trying to figure out who's who in the zoo. <laughs> who's going to show up once a week, once every three weeks, once every six weeks. It's okay. We just try to figure it out. We'd love to be able to do more music, more worship, but it also requires more worship team. Yeah. We'd love to do more with youth, and it requires people who will say, you know what? I can do that. You will never regret, never regret surrendering some moment of your life for the King of Kings. Amen. You will Amen. never regret it. That's absolutely well, come next week. We're going to have a good time. Can you stand with me? Let me pray. We'll be really quick before we go. Man, hey, worship team, can I just say thank you for this morning's worship? Yeah. I, I, I mean it. It's not just the songs that we sing, it's the heartbeat of those who are singing them. So thank you, and thank you for Pastor John for leading that. And Daddy, today, we're so thankful for your inhale. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for your goodness that isn't based on our, on our worth or on our worthiness, on our good deeds or our actions, but is based just because you love us. And that does stir something in us to say, holy, holy, holy are you, God. It stirs something in us to have a spirit of praise. It stirs something in us, Lord God, that we were bought at a price, that we're not our own, but that you're yours. And in such a way as to give you praise, and so we choose to do it today. Father, I pray over each and every person in this room, every person online, every person who's going to be watching this later on, I'm praying for a breath of the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh on each and every person, that there is a holy inhale in people's lives today, Lord God, as they leave this place, that the fruit of the Spirit starts to come out in ways they never saw possible before, that gifts start to flow that they never knew they had, Lord God, that opportunities to give the wine away, Lord Jesus, will come up 
divine appointments this week at work as they're walking in the shop right at the Acme, Lord God, as they're in the Starbucks, Lord Jesus, as they're walking down the street, walking their dog. We're believing for uh, divine appointments to give you away, to bring the exit, to bring the, 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 the soil, the blessing, the word, the seed into the soil of our lives. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Convict us of where we, have in, uh, where we have exhaled too much and fill us with an inhale that will transform us now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. God bless you. Transform this world one life at a time. I'll see you next week. Connect. It's going to be great. Welcome to our 23rd birthday next week.